know his heart for you. And so our story is just God being in complete pursuit of our hearts, no matter what we did or where we walked or what we went through. It was God pursuing our hearts, and he wasn't worried. We had a lot of people really worried about us, but God wasn't worried. He, ha- he knew. He could see the promise that he put in us and that he was going to bring that to season in due time. So, um, yeah, so like Blake said, we have two very different testimonies. Blake and I, we got pregnant in our senior year of high school, and, um, you know, I felt like I really was rooted and grounded in my relationship with Christ, which was the only thing that would get me through anything. And, you know, Blake, he didn't know, he didn't have quite that intimacy with the Father yet. So he really ran from uh, from being a father, from being a husband, from just God for many years, and um, just led him into a world of drugs, alcohol, infidelity, you name it. It was in there. And while we were going through that, um, I just felt God still in pursuit of my heart. Like, I'm not perfect. I didn't do all the things right. And he was just kind of like, well, you know, I, it was like a lot of growing pains where he was like teaching me about forgiveness. Like, you know, I've forgiven all of your sins as far as from the east is to the west. And that's what I'm asking you to do with your husband, and I'm asking you to stand firm on my promises for you, and what I'm going to do, and not not be swayed or wavered by what other people are saying, or by what you're feeling, because our feelings don't mean a lot, um, so we have to go by his judgment, and not our own, and just walk it out in obedience, and it can be scary, and you don't know what it looks like ahead, but you're trusting in the Lord, and he's going to bless that, because he's got good, good promises for you, and he loves you. So when I stood firm in those promises, um, it began to turn into just intercession. There were times in Blake's life where he needed and he had a lot of people interceding for him. And so that was my place. It was to get rooted and to intercede for his life and his soul. And, you know, still God was working on my heart. And so as God was in pursuit of his heart along the way, I realized I have to fully give my heart to God too. And um, everything kind of hit this climax as um, Blake became a Navy SEAL and his identity got really wrapped up into that. And, um, yeah, we didn't have him around really for, like, two, three years. Like, he would he would be gone working so much that he'd come home for a day or two and be gone again. So, like, my safe haven, I would come back here. And I had people who surrounded me. And um, community is everything. And so no matter what you're going through, you know, I encourage you to get in community and stay there because God's going to use people around you. And it just, it builds you up um, where, where he wants you to be. So, um, yeah, so as I'm in this place of intercession and Blake is doing the Navy SEAL thing, his identity is wrapped up in that, the girls don't really know him anymore at this point. Um, and it just starts getting really dark. All the things that were kind of hiding just started to come to light. It was like God is ready to open the floodgates and deal with these things. And so Blake got uh, popped on a drug test at work, got sent to rehab. And that's, you know, that's when we all hit our knees really hard. And, um, and then at, there was this moment of silence where God was like, all right, that's enough. Your prayer is done. So sometimes we have to fight 
and pray and intercede, and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, it's in his hands, because we fight our battle in the, in the supernatural and the spiritual realm, and then we see it come to life and manifest in the physical realm. So it was kind of this quiet time, and I was like, you know what? I think this is it, God. So I give you my heart completely, and if I have to be the single mom of three kids, you're going to provide, and you're going to take care of us, and I don't have to worry about it. And I call my mom, and I'm like, I think we're coming home. And then I get a call from Blake the next day <laughs> in rehab because God just kind of likes to bring us right up to the edge of our limitations. And then, hey, I'm here. <laughs> and uh, in that phone call, he's like, hey, I need to talk to you. So I'm like, all right. So I go to rehab with the girls and pull up in the truck, and he comes up and greets the girls. And then he's like, hey, I got to say hi to your mom, which was like, what? Because at that point, he was cold and distant and hurtful. And so he's like, can you get out of the truck? So I get out, and he just hugs me. And I could immediately feel, like, this change in his spirit. And uh, he holds me, and he goes, I made a vow of integrity for the first time in my life to you and to God. And I could literally see Holy Spirit in his eyes, like they were glowing. And I was like, wow, this is the moment I've been waiting for. Like, there had been other points in our story where I was like, this is it. This could be it. But no, this was it. This was the moment. And so as he spent the next few weeks in rehab, we began to um, work on our marriage over the phone. And then when he came home, we had this sweet, sweet season uh, where he didn't have to go to work for like a year. And we just started every morning spending two, three hours in the presence of God. And he just started completely restoring our marriage, restoring and redeeming our, our kids. And it was just supernatural. It's only God. Only God can do that. But we have to be willing to be vulnerable and give him our hearts and give him everything. And then he comes in and he goes beyond our expectations, beyond what we could ever imagine. He gives us so much more. And so I'm so proud and honored to be standing here next to, next to this man who's always been a leader, like Mark was saying. You know, maybe it wasn't directed in the right way all the time, but he's a born leader. And I'm so proud of him that I've been able to stand next to him through it all. And here we are. And God's given me a fiery, passionate husband for the Lord. So we're really excited about what God's calling us into. And that's where I'm going to let him share. Yeah, so praise the Lord for faithful wives <laughs> and family, because I know a lot of you in here were interceding for us too. <laughs> and what I have realized is that I believed, I said I believed in Jesus, I said I believed in God all those years, and I didn't know him. And so in rehab, I was given a, a chance to actually encounter God, and, and I was, what I thought was my rock bottom, but rock bottom really isn't, rock bottom is like hell. People say they've hit rock bottom, but we're always given a choice, and the choice is either obedience or disobedience, and so in that place, I was like, okay, fine, I'll obey you, and when I made that choice, I was continually given that choice. Every single day we're given a choice. Every single moment we're given a choice. We can either disobey or we can obey. His mercy stays the same. His mercy is unchanging. But we can either 
obey or we can disobey. So that was kind of where I was. I was like, wow, I can never step outside of this goodness. And so like Sammy said, we began to just see things come back into our lives. The Lord began to restore our relationship. One of the things that I was most concerned about was my children because I was like, man, my kids are going to be screwed up. You know, I, what have I done? And the Lord said, if you love me with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, you won't have to worry about them. And so that's what I did. I just put all my strength into him because really my story was all about my own strength. I took myself as far as I could get me, but how many of you know we all run out of our own strength if we rely on ourselves? And so I, re- I relied on myself so much. Everything was about me and what I could accomplish without God. And, and so it, it just brought me to this place of brokenness until I, I started to put my faith. See, faith means to trust. And believe means to trust. I never trusted Jesus. I never trusted God with my life. Until I did, I didn't start to see the goodness of, of who God was. And now I can look back and say, oh my goodness, he protected me through so many trials and so many things. But at the time, I just wasn't willing to trust him. So I just want to encourage you guys that he's waiting. He's there. He's, he's saying, I'm here, um, waiting for you to trust him with all those things, every single thing, even that one thing that you want to keep holding on to, like God wants to take that and he wants to make it brand new. The old is gone and the new has come. That's that, that baptism, that's what that symbolizes, is like being made completely new to where we can walk in freedom. The reason we can talk about our testimony with openness like that is because we're completely set free of ourselves. I'm set free of me. And so when you're set free of yourself, you can walk in obedience. And really, it's just no separation. It's no separation from God, so... Um, kind of leads us up to after I got uh, encountered the Lord. It's not about one encounter. It's about encountering him every single day. You, you encounter him. It's not one encounter, and then he just leaves you to figure out life the rest of, you know, every other day. It's every single day he wants to encounter you and show you and hold your hand and walk through life with you. And so we just, like Sammy said, we went through this really intimate time with the Lord. And we began to to host a small group of young adults at our house, and we just watched this thing blow up. We weren't even, we were just like, we weren't doing anything. We weren't leading. We were just opening up our home to people to come in, and we would just sit and worship and pray and and watch the Lord work because the Lord is the best teacher. He's the best prophet. He's the best evangelist. He's the best pastor. So when you let him work and put your own agenda down and let his agenda, his agenda come in and you really see his heart in everything and so over the last couple years we've been hosting this small group and we've watched it just flourish and we were like wow this is it this is where the Lord has us he has us in young adult ministry we're going to just power through this thing like it's going to be awesome and we were working normal jobs and running a gym and the gym was going really well and I just began to climb this corporate tower and this corporate structure and it began to kind of start to consume who we were a little bit and take that time away and then quarantine hit like 13 weeks ago whatever and we got laid off and we're like okay what do we do I was freaking out for a second but then I was like all right Lord what are you saying in this and we just felt like the Lord was saying first of all he was telling us to continue 
meet with our group. We prayed and we fasted about that, and he said, don't stop meeting. So we continued to do that, and the group grew from like 20 people to like 30 and 40 people over the time because people were hungry. People needed somewhere to go. And then we watched this documentary called The Free Burma Rangers, and like Sammy said, I was a SEAL for a bunch of years. I was a medic and a sniper, and this documentary kind of sums up what we were praying about as a family, of this family who just went to Burma, they went to the Middle East, and they just said, here we are, how can we help you? We don't really have anything but ourselves, and they, and they do it with their family, and that was something that we had been praying about, and we were like, wow, that's what we were supposed to be doing. It, it had never, not, nothing ever made more sense than when we watched that, and we were like, we got to get in touch with these, these folks, and so... Um, Long story short, we reach out to them. They were like, no, we don't need anybody. And then I knew somebody, and he talked to the founder, and he called me like the same day that we watched the film and was like, well, here's the deal. I don't want you to come if God doesn't want you to come. I want you here, but if God want, doesn't want you here, we don't want you here. And so we just began to pray and, and communicate with them and um, the Lord really just showed us and confirmed that this is what we were supposed to be doing. We had the invite, and then he just began to open every single door. We didn't have to strive for anything. It was just like, all right, we said yes to the Lord, and then when you're walking in step with the Lord, he does all of the forework. He's so far before. We were able to look back and go, wow, two years ago, he was preparing the way for this. And so that leads us up to where we are now. We're getting ready to move our whole family, our four girls, over to Thailand to support them full time. <laughs> and we're just really excited because it's, it, the Lord, like I said, he's just opened up every door. And it's a scary thing to do something radical, but we've said it. We're like, we'll do anything for you. And when you say that, you pray those dangerous prayers. He's like, okay. And he put it on our laps, and um, it's something that I've had to constantly give up to God. It's like, hey, Lord, you've got to take this. And, and he's spoken so many times of that he loves our family. He loves my girls and my wife so much more than I ever could. And um, so we just believe that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. The more risk that you take, the higher level of faith, the higher level of trust that you place in Jesus. And so that's where we're at. We're getting ready. We move um, in middle of October. We're moving over to Thailand to go into um, Burma and then Iraq and Syria and work with the refugees and bring medical supplies and education and whatever we have to offer, um, which is just ourselves. And so we're we live in Virginia Beach. We traveled to Washington to visit our family before we go, and then we're visiting churches like you guys, so thank you for having us. We're, tr we're raising support because we've never done this before. The, the name of our project is the Luke 249 Project because it's in Luke 249. Mary and Joseph are coming back. Uh, they, they've lost Jesus. He's nine years old. He, they've lost him, and they come back. They find him in the temple, and he's speaking and everybody's amazed at what he's saying and he says don't you know I'd be about my father's business in my father's house and so that spoke to us because we feel like we're nine years old walking this thing out we've never done it before and um, 
we just want to be about the Father's business, and we know that that is his command, is to go into all nations and preach the gospel to all nations. And so, um, yeah, do you want to say something real quick? Yeah, so um, we'll have um, little information cards that we'll have somewhere at the end of service, and our girls are, do you want to come up and share, Tori, about what you're doing? This is Victoria. She's our oldest. She's, her and Olivia have been making um, prayer bracelets, so we'll have those available as well in the back, and they've been working hard just so you guys can have those. I know that was more than 10 minutes, Mark, sorry. Sorry. Um, yeah, we love you guys, and let me, I just want to pray for you guys before, um, and for you, Mark, as you get ready to come up and, and speak. Uh, thank you for having us. So, Lord, we just come before you. We thank you so much for this congregation for this church lord we just pray for all the churches right now that the things that we're facing in this nation lord that we need a church we need a unified church stronger and more unified than we ever have been lord to see a move of god lord we need you to move on this nation lord and the nations um going out from here so we just lift up mark as he's about to speak god i just pray that you would speak through him and and that fire would come out of his mouth lord and that we would all have ears and eyes and hearts to hear you lord and i just bless this church and bless the families that are here in jesus name amen hey actually while we're praying let's just continue to pray for you guys because uh, your time is kind of short here in the states so father we just uh as a body here, we hold up uh, Blake and Sam, and we thank you for uh, the mighty work that you've done in their lives. Lord, how you've changed them, as Blake said, and as they both testified, Lord, how you've made uh, everything new, everything fresh and new in Christ. And so we thank you for them. Go before them, Lord, uh, that uh, they would be following you, that they'd be hearing daily your voice. And, uh, Lord, that they would reach out and, and uh, bring the gospel uh, to those individuals and those groups of people, Lord, that you've uh, set before them, uh, that your name would be praised, that you would be lifted up. And uh, we thank you for them. Thank you for them coming to share. We just praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. If I'm not mistaken, Burma has the longest... Uh, active civil war of any nation in the world. Uh, they just, um, for whatever reason, uh, they can't get it together. And um, so many, so many people, millions and millions of people are affected uh, by the chaos, by the war, by the struggles that are in our world. Billions actually are affected. And uh, so thank you guys for sharing. We definitely want to keep them in our prayers. On the back, uh, on the edge of the sound booth back there is their prayer cards, and I would just encourage every single one of us to grab one of those, to be, to be praying for Blake and Sammy, to be supporting them financially um, as they serve the Lord. We love to, we love, love, love as a church to support and to send people out. In fact, uh, our missions, uh, a lot of churches kind of cap their missions, giving it maybe 10% of the of the annual income, like we're at what, like 30%, I want to say, in our budget, isn't that right, Josh? We're at like 30%, 20, 28%, something like that. Uh, we want to keep supporting, we want to add to, and uh, so we're excited 
So we're excited to hear from you guys, and uh, thank you again. Uh, what a great day. Wow, 11.06. Um, I'm going to have to speak super, super fast. You'll be glad to know that I don't have 20 pages of sermon notes, right? Is everybody happy? Say amen. 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 Let's close in prayer, right? Now, i got a few things to say. I just, what a great camp out we had last weekend, right? There was like, uh, what, 90-some people. We had baptisms. Look at Emma back here. She's still smiling, right? Are you excited? Amen, right? I, I shared this at the camp out, and I want to share it again today. Emma got baptized. She's been wanting to get baptized for, for quite a while, and uh, it just hasn't kind of worked out. And coming up to, rushing up to the camp out, we decided, all right, and her mom uh, come and talk to us and said, this is the day. And uh, so we said, how are we going to do this and not get shocked? Because she's got this electric wheelchair, and so they got like a jogging wheelchair for her, or they, they had one. And uh, it, was, it was just a special time. We rolled her down in the water, and uh, we put her foot behind the tire, and we just tipped her over backwards. And um, she's still smiling. I love it. She wasn't the only one that got baptized. Uh, uh, Joshua Whittakin got baptized, and uh, Ellie... Um, Michael's got baptized, and am I missing somebody? No. And Max, the video you saw, this is a precious story, the video that we saw earlier was Max Alwyn, and he wanted to get baptized at the church campout, but there was one small consideration, and the fact was that his dad was not there. Matt was out of town and, uh, and wasn't going to get back for a day or two, and so... Um, through the course of family discussion, Max decided maybe it would be better to wait till my dad's there. And of course, then you saw uh, dad and grandpa, Dennis, uh, baptizing Max. And that was on Tuesday, is that right? I think it was Tuesday evening, yeah. So, amen. Awesome. What a picture, right? Uh, all of these kids demonstrating their identification in Jesus Christ. That's really the, the, the essence of, of baptism. It's a public display, like Blake was talking about a little bit earlier. It's a public display of our identifying with Christ, uh, identifying with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Uh, it's symbolic. It doesn't save you, but it does give you an opportunity to demonstrate publicly and profess your faith publicly uh, in all three ways here. In fact, um, we want to kind of, I'm, I'm going to transition just a little bit and move forward because <clears throat> I'm excited to, to, to share today's and I'll make it a real quick message, but it, it threads together exactly uh, what Blake and Sammy have been talking about, what we just prayed about. Uh, and that's this idea of, of what is God changing? What is God changing? We've been kind of going through this series, if you're brand new, and you're wondering, like, what, what's Addie talking about today? We've been talking for uh, a couple of months, several months, on this idea of what are some of the elements that God uses to strengthen us in our faith. What are some of those things that he does in the life of a believer, in the life of a brand new believer? How does he draw people? How does he grow people? Uh, what are some of those key things that happens that, that grow us in our faith? Sometimes we talked about trials several weeks ago, and, and I mean, I know more of your backstory than you shared, but there's been some trials, right? Absolutely, there's been some trials, some tough times, and, and you guys even shared some of them. We thank you for that, but. Today we're going to look at this idea, and I'm going to take a, a, a more of a, uh, use a medical phrase, it's actually an abbreviation, but today we're going to look at DNA, 
uh, not our physical DNA, um, but we're going to look at our spiritual DNA. Now, if you do a quick Google search on the idea of DNA, uh, you'll see these, you'll see these uh, definitions. It's a self-replicating material which is present in nearly all living organisms as a main uh, constituent to the, our chromosomes. It's, it's built into our chromosomes. It's a carrier, this is a better way to put it, it's a carrier of our genetic information. We all have, uh, in every cell in our body, we have the information of our makeup, right? The one that I really keyed in on was the third one that I saw, and it says this. It holds the fundamental and distinctive characteristics or qualities of someone or something, especially when regarded as unchangeable. I'll give you my definition. My definition is, is that DNA is the code of information of, of, of who we are. It's the code of information. I, I, by no means, I'm just a simple dude that lives in the country. I'm not a doctor. I'm not in the medical field. Don't, don't think that you're hearing an expert opinion when it comes to DNA. We have other people in the room that could talk probably for hours about this. But what I do know is it holds that physical information of who we are. All of your distinct attributes and qualities and characteristics. In thinking of DNA, though, we want to switch to this idea. Who are you spiritually? What's your spiritual DNA? And, and, and how does God use that? How does, how does God change that? Because we were all, before we were believers, we were all somebody else spiritually. So who are we spiritually? What are our spiritual genetics? To add in that main point that I was looking at, what are the fundamental or distinctive spiritual characteristics and qualities that define us? What are those spiritual things that define us? God changes DNA. We know that it's true. How's it happen? If you watch the Chosen series, and I would encourage everybody to watch the uh, eight-part series Chosen. Um, it's a series on Jesus. It's on YouTube. You can look it on YouTube if you're an iPhone user, whatever, you can download the app and watch it on your iPhone. It's a great little series. Uh, it's really taking, uh, taking off. In fact, I think they have the second season probably mostly funded at this point. Um, but you're going to see in that series, I think it's in, I think it's in episode six, you're going to see this late night conversation about spiritual DNA that Jesus had with a Pharisee. Late at night, this guy came, a teacher of the law, uh, a guy that was well-studied, well-versed, looked up to in all of Israel as a teacher, as a scholar, as a Pharisee, they called him. And they have this late night conversation. I wonder if they got the term Nick at night from that conversation. This guy's name was Nick at Nicodemus, right? So that's why I talk Nick at night. Anybody watch Nick at night? Am I the only one that gets that joke? Oh, somebody in the back. John chapter 3. You turn in your Bibles there. John chapter 3 talks about this whole interchange. John chapter 3 verse 1 says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came from, 
to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with them. So it was unmistakable who Jesus was in Nicodemus' eyes. It was absolutely unmistakable. Right? He knew that this man was from God the Father. There was a a hitch. There was a hiccup in that thinking, not in his thinking, but there was a hiccup in how it played out in society. Because for the most part, the ruling class, the ruling elite, religious leaders in Israel did not see Jesus as a person that come from God. But Nicodemus kind of stands out. His thinking is different. So he goes at night, he goes in private, he goes under the cover of darkness. He confesses the fact that Jesus is from God. For no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with them. And Jesus answered, verse 3, John chapter 3. Jesus answers and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? Really, Jesus? Like, what are you even talking about? How, 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 how is this even possible? I don't understand what you're saying. Perhaps were some of his thoughts. Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Verse 7 says, Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? I, I, I don't get it. I still don't understand, Jesus, what you're talking about. And Nicodemus is looking on a, a physical level of what's going on, and Jesus is talking on a completely different plane. What Jesus is talking about, what Jesus is talking about is the change of spiritual DNA. And three times with increasing emphasis, Jesus mentions the idea of new birth. New birth. We, we have a ton of babies around here. It's awesome, right? We have a few more that come through the door today, right? And with all that new birth, it's, it's so exciting to watch them grow and to watch them change and to watch their expressions, to watch them, you know, learn to talk, learn to walk, fall down, do it all again, right? New birth is super, super, super exciting, and on a spiritual level, Jesus and the Lord and the angels in heaven see that the same way. They see it the same way. It's exciting. It's exciting to see new spiritual birth. I had to, I'm going to insert this real quick. We had, I had the opportunity last night to do a little barbecue, just a few guys down in Chewila, and uh, we ended up, after the, the barbecue, uh, we watched two of the online sessions of the Promise Keepers event that was supposed to be live at AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas. Uh, because of the uh, outbreak um, and ramped up level or numbers in Dallas, um, they decided to shut down the live event and to do it all uh, video. And uh, 
And so it was great. We, we listened to uh, Stephen Arterburn, uh, Every Man's Battle, the guy that wrote Every Man's Battle, dealing with pornography, sexual addictions, that sort of thing. And then um, John Eldridge, Wild at Heart, uh, the guy that wrote Wild at Heart, it's been like 20-some years ago they wrote Wild at Heart. When I read that book, these guys were all like, you know, junior, not junior high age, yeah, 20 years ago. How old are you? Yeah, so 20 years ago, 15, you're all like teenagers, right? And uh, anyway, so I think about Wild at Heart, and I relate it to the people that I was around at the time, and that's where that whole phrase comes in. Guess what Blake did, Right? That whole wild at heart mentality. Tying a couple things together, tying up some loose ends. Anyway, I, none of that really matters. There was three of us there. The guy that hosted it, Brock McMillan. Well, a lot of us know Brock McMillan from Chewila. And a young guy named Levi. Levi's a relatively new believer. Levi's had a lot of struggles in life. He grew up in a Christian home. Typical scenario, drifted away from the Lord, got into a lot of bad horrible stuff, and, uh, and now has come full circle. He is so excited. This guy just sits there and vibrates when you're talking about the Lord. It's like he is so excited because for him it's all brand new. It's all fresh, and, and what God is doing, what he sees God doing, how he sees God rescuing him, and how he sees God putting people in front of him to share his testimony it's just bang, 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 bang. So he's on fire. He's, he, he's just like, and he sits there talking. And I, I look down and his foot's, his foot's kind of doing this thing. I'm like, I wonder if this guy's got the twitch or what's going on. No, he's just excited. He's excited about the fact that God has changed him. He's excited about the fact that God has made him totally new. And God has changed his DNA, his spiritual DNA. So three times with increasing emphasis, Jesus mentions this idea of new birth. The first time there in verse 3, we can see Jesus uses this phrase in regard to born, being born again. He says, then we could see the kingdom of God. That you can see the kingdom of God. The second time, the second time in verse 5, he says that we can enter the kingdom of God, right, if we're born again. And the third time, he, he makes it a, an imperative. Verse 7, he says, we must be born of the Spirit. We must be born again. See, Nicodemus's whole thought process was slow to change from physical to spiritual. If you read all the way through the book of John, you'll see that transition towards the end of the book of John, where Nicodemus did make that switch. Like I mentioned earlier, Jesus is always operating on the spiritual plane. And his message to Nicodemus and to, this, and to us is this, I've come that you, that you, that I, that all of us that would trust in Christ can have a brand new set of spiritual DNA. We can have a whole new spiritual DNA. See, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'd encourage you to, uh, to turn there. We don't have any of this on the screen, do we? We had this massive malfunction with our sound system before you guys all got here. We were back there feverishly trying to make things work. Uh, I'm kind of a fix-it kind of a guy. You guys kind of know that. So I dive in, uh, and um, 
actually made it a lot worse. I'm usually pretty good about fixing stuff, but I made it like way, way, way worse. That totally robbed all of the time that we normally have to put these verses up on the screen. So if you're used to seeing the verses on the screen, um, this week should be a good reminder for you to bring your Bible or get your cell phone out. It's totally fine if you're looking at your Bible on your cell phone. I'm, I'm down with it. I look at mine all, you know, all the time. So uh, that's totally good. But uh, usually we have these verses on the screen and a few points. And uh, so now you're going to have to just hear it all. If you don't have your Bible, don't have your cell phone. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is writing really about the same spiritual rebirth that Jesus was encouraging Nicodemus to believe. It's the same concept, the same idea, it's the same, the, the same teaching, the same understanding as far as being saved. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's start in verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Paul is making this point that he's setting the stage for what he's going to say. And he's saying, we're, we're, not, we're not concerned as much about knowing people according to the flesh. Uh, according to, their, to their, either their physical attributes or what they do. Right? We have, we have people in this room that have done amazing things. We have people in this room that have amazing minds. That have accomplished uh, 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 feats and, and, and missions, men that here have, that have been in warfare. We've heard Blake a little bit just talking about it. And Dennis, Stephen, of course. We know some of their stories. The reality is, is that what the Apostle Paul is saying is, that's not as important. Like when Jesus sees Blake, Jesus doesn't say, uh, that's my, you know, Navy SEAL dude. That's not his first thought. Jesus' first thought is, who is Blake spiritually? And who are you spiritually? That's how Jesus looks at us. That's what the Apostle Paul's talking about and teaching us here. We regard no one according to the flesh. Nobody. The flesh is break down. This is temporal. This is completely temporary, right? I was joking a month or so ago that, like, I'm pushing on the door of 50. I feel like once I get to the top of the hill, I'm just going to cut the brake loose and, you know, fly to the bottom on the other side. You know, I'm finding how temporal it really is. Tammy and I were working on our irrigation system this week, and, and uh, we had a leak in our main line, and fortunately it was leaking right back into the creek. Actually, we were under the road in a five-foot culvert on a day it was about 102 degrees out, so it was a great place to work on something. But uh, the reality is, is that we're standing there kind of half stooped over, and all of a sudden my right knee just went poof. I'm finding out how temporal this body is. It still hurts. I don't know what the problem is, but it still hurts, right? It's temporal. Paul says we regard nobody according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, he has a relationship with Jesus according to the flesh, yet now we... Know him thus no longer. He's gone. He's resurrected. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Verse 17 says, Therefore, therefore, because of that, 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's what? He's a new creation. He's brand new. He's a new creation with new DNA. That's why I bring up that idea to plant in our minds. He's a new creation, totally different, but in the same body. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Three points I want to make real quick about this new DNA. And the first lens, first look that we want to see is a different look through a spiritual lens. Verse 16, we just talked about that. That our new DNA gives us the ability. Your relationship with Jesus and, 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 and having is this new perspective gives you a lens by which you don't have to regard the flesh. You don't, you don't have to see that as the primary uh, uh, corridor by which you see people. You can see them spiritually. Who are you spiritually? Doing spiritually in that regard. Ladies, the same thing. How, how are you serving your husbands? How are you nurturing your kids and teaching them and, and bringing them up? How are you relating and encouraging one another, as the Bible says, older ladies to, to mentor the younger ladies? Those are all spiritual things. Those are all part of our spiritual DNA that Jesus puts inside of us that we, ha- that we have to embrace. My job is kind of simple. I just encourage you guys to embrace it, right? Give you tools to embrace it. That's what the leadership's job is, is to lead in that way, to embrace it, to go for it, to go for it. So we see through a spiritual lens. There's a danger. There's a danger by not seeing through a spiritual lens when we look at things. We can get fearful. We can start building up a case in a certain way, one way or the other, right? A lot of the debate that we've had and and every church probably around the world has had in regard to this COVID-19 is what do we do? What did we do? Why did we do it? It's so easy. It's so easy to not operate in faith not operate in faith. That's looking at things physically. We have to look through spiritual lens with spiritual eyes. Of course, the old is gone. The old is gone. What, what, what is Paul talking about when he says the old is gone, the new has come? Everything's made new. It's really simple. It's how we think and it's what we do. It's how we think, how we process information, how we, how we switch from being uh, uh, either facts-oriented or emotionally driven to being led by the Spirit of God. How we think, and then what we do with our hands. You know what's an interesting parallel with this? Where's the mark of the beast going to go? What does Revelation say? The head and the hands. I believe that to be real, I don't, I don't think that's metaphorical in the sense that it's, it's not going to be a physical thing. I think it will be a physical thing. I think the Bible's clear about that. But it, does it also carry with it something symbolic in the fact that, notice, head, thinking, hands, what we do? What are we putting our head to and what are we putting our hands to? And is God, 
uh, in control of that, in making you new, in making me new? And is there a switch? And can we see that switch, even though the ups and downs of life, that we can look back, and I say this quite often, we can look back over the storyline of our own lives and the lives of those around us and say, hey, he's not the same person he used to be. I knew that guy. And I can say that now about this guy. He's not the guy he used to be. Would he still jump off of the church roof into a pile of snow? Absolutely. I'll give him that. I'll throw that one out as a freebie, a mulligan. But he's not the guy that he used to be. So he's now looking through a spiritual lens. Those old things are fading away. And the priority then goes upon the spiritual. Everything's made new. How we think and how we operate. In giving us this new spiritual DNA, God is doing this in our lives. He's transforming us into a new person. And God gives us a new identity and a new anchor point in life. That's where we want to go. Um, we had, uh, you guys will not believe this when I even tell you. I took a day off this week. Don't anybody faint. I took a day off. We, we went up to Sullivan Lake. Here's the craziest thing. The Donleys were at Sullivan Lake the same day, all having a good time. We had no clue that they were there. I can't believe that we missed them. But anyway, we get up to Sullivan Lake, and we jump in the water, and there's all these, you know, we have friends and, 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 uh, and whatnot up there. And uh, there's a little problem up at Sullivan Lake. The dock that's just out in the swimming area there, uh, it had no ladder and it's, it was, the top of the dock was probably that far out of the water. And so if you're a little kid, or if you're a big, big kid like me, you guys know where I'm going with this, right? You can't get on the dock. It ain't going to work. I got a bad wing to boot. It didn't matter. I needed a jib crane to get me up on that dock. And I thought, something's got to change. In the meantime, these little Carlson kids come to me and said, Uncle Mark, we want to swim out to the dock, but we just can't get up on the dock. I said, what happened to the ladder? Like a couple years ago, there used to be a ladder on this dock. We don't know, but it ain't there. And we want to get up on the dock. It's like 105 out. It's crazy, huh? So I thought for a second, and I, I asked Nicholas and Kyle, I said, hey, do you guys, do you guys have any rope with you? And um, Kyle says, no, but we've got some baling twine. <laughs> Any good farmer's got baling twine in the back of their pickup, right? And so they had this, they had this whole bundle of baling twine. And so I said, go get the baling twine. They said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, we're going to figure out how to make a ladder with baling twine and sticks. And we'll see what happens. Anyway, so they went and got baling twine. I'll make it real quick. We made this three-step ladder about this long. Attached it to the dock, no problem, nice and strong. There was one problem. When you go to put your feet on the bottom rung, the ladder just slid up underneath the dock. Well, now you're, now you're trying to like climb up and over, you know, you're trying to do this backwards. You, that ain't going to work for me. Now the kids, you know, they could kind of make it quick and they could jump up there, but uh, I said, this ain't going to work. And about that time, Jonathan and Kayla showed up, and, uh, and Jonathan jumped in and said, how can I help you? I said, we've got to figure out how to keep this ladder vertical. 
So we started looking around at, lo- at, at different rocks. And uh, I will say that Jonathan was a lot more ambitious about his rock that he wanted to use than what I wanted to use. But you know what? The rock that, that Jonathan picked out worked perfectly. And so he walked that thing out. We got Balentwine, and we went down from the ladder, and we tied Balentwine to that rock, and then we rotated the dock so that it was on the deep side so the rock swung it was not on the bottom of the lake. And that rock, how big was it? Like this big? You were really ambitious. I was looking at rocks like this. It wouldn't have worked. That rock that was about like that served as the perfect anchor for the ladder so that people could get up on the dock, including yours truly. Why do I say all that? Why do I say all that? I say all that to bring up this picture and to plant a picture in your mind that we have to have in this new DNA, we have to be anchored in. We have to be anchored in in our faith in this new thing that God does in the lives of believers. This new thing, this new spiritual DNA, I'll call it that anyway, that is that anchor point, that everything points back to that anchor. Everything points back to the newness and the things that God does in our lives as we trust and put our hope and our faith in Him, right? And that's what gets us up and over. That's what provides the stability. The ladder was not stable without the anchor. It's a perfect example of new and old spiritual DNA. A contrast that Paul writes about in Romans chapter 12. I want to insert it and then we'll go back to 2 Corinthians 5. Romans chapter 12 in the famous verse, verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what Jesus is up to. That's the, that's the, the change that happens in that new spiritual DNA. Are we embracing a change of letting our mind be renewed? God's imparting to us a new DNA by transforming our entire lives, how we think, what we do, and the third one is what our life message will be. What's your life message going to be? If you could write it out in a sentence, I would encourage you to do that. Write it in the, the you know, insert the inside tab of your Bible. What's your life, what do you want your life message to be? Well, he was a good dude, never did anybody any harm. Is that it? Just a good person, right? Is that it? How about well done, good and faithful servant? What about that life message? What does that say to the people that are around you over the course of 70, 80, 90 years? When we think back of some of the people that have gone before us, can we say, well done, good and faithful servant? That's them. That's them. Right? Is that what our life message is? Is is, is that what we're shooting for? I hope that it is. It starts with the transformed mind. And that transformed mind, Romans 12, 2 says... 
is opposed to being conformed to the image of this world. Like we have to volitionally say, nope, I'm not going to be conformed there in that way. That's not of the Lord. That's not what God is, is about. That's not what the Bible promotes. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what the Holy Spirit says is true. I'm not going there. No, I'm going to be transformed and it's going to start up here. What's our life message going to be? Our life message is all bolted together in the message of the gospel. Let's keep reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll start it up in verse 18 and we will hustle. Too many extra stories by Mark. That reminds me of a story. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, somebody in this auditorium gave me a book that the title of the book is, and that reminds me of a story. Hey, <laughs> I wasn't going to mention any names, but his initials are Tim Weeby. Right? All right, here we go. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ. Remember two weeks ago? I mentioned this phrase, or actually three weeks ago. Three weeks ago? I mentioned this idea that when we see these phrases, in Christ, in Jesus, in the Spirit, in the Lord, all of those types, those are all indicators, and those are all uh, 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 point towards the gospel, that the gospel is not just a message of, of what we heard when we were saved, and it stops there. No, the gospel is transformative for all of life. And we're to live out that gospel in that sense, right? That is that God was in Christ reconciling. So here's the gospel word, the gospel played out. This is what God was doing. This was God's part. He was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Wow. That's how God was fixing what was broken in our world, broken since the Garden of Eden. Broken since Adam and Eve chose to embrace sin. In, when they chose to elevate themselves over God's word. Elevate their own thoughts. Elevate their own ideas, their own desires. When they chose to sin, and they chose to sin, and we choose to sin. Right? So we've both inherited their sinful nature that they left us marred in that way but all of our issues are not on them like we all have chose to sin at some point or another and in christ the bible says god's bringing back together he's restoring what was broken the relationship between mankind and himself he was bringing that together in a way that it could only be truly done it could only be eternally effective. He was doing it in Christ. Jesus' sacrifice for you and I on the cross. His death, burial, and resurrection. So God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses against them. No, for those who trust Christ, their trespasses are put on Christ and paid for by him. The verse goes on to say, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20, 
Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin, back to Jesus, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's the gospel message. That it's not about our efforts because that our spiritual DNA is not about our efforts. No, that is all put on Christ and his effort, what he did. Our job is simply be faithful to share the message of redemption through Jesus. That's what Blake and Sammy were doing today. They're simply just being faithful to share the message of Jesus' redemption for them. So they're here to share that. It's awesome. It's great. We all need to partake in that, right? So a few closing questions before we switch gears and go to communion. If you're a Christian, here in the sound of my voice in this building, is your life defined by this message of reconciliation? Like, is this your life message? Is this, is this your encouragement for the people that are around you? That, that you have a, a, a friend or a coworker that brings up, you know, uh, their issues? Are, are we pointing them to Christ? Is, is that the first thing that's in our lips? Are we embracing this, this ministry of reconciliation? Is that our message? Is that the first thing that comes out? Are we demonstrating it before we're even talking about it? Do you hold the fundamental and distinctive spiritual characteristics or qualities of Jesus? I'm not talking about that you have to be perfect before you say anything. But are, what I am saying is, are you growing in Christ? And is that evident in your life? Is there, is there fruit on the branches of your lives, of my life, that demonstrates, hey, that guy's a believer. Like, it's evident. It's true. And in growing, in, 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 you know, in increasing measure, that's growing in them, right? If you're not a Christ follower, if you're not a believer, if you've come today to just be supportive or you come today to just uh, eh, go with my girlfriend or you come today, you know, just to check it out uh, or it's an obligation or it's something that your family's always done, if you're not a Christ follower, if you've not trusted Christ as your Savior, uh, I want to do simply what the Apostle Paul did. I want to implore you. That word implore is kind of an old-fashioned word. It means to beg or to appeal, or this is probably something we would uh, understand a little better, to plead. I want to plead with you. Right? I want to plead with you, just like Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to implore you on Jesus' behalf to be reconciled with God. To be reconciled with God. That doesn't mean, you know, it, it can happen up here at the front of the church. It can happen right where you sit. And it can happen on the road, on the ride home. But be reconciled with God. If you're not reconciled with God, be reconciled with God. What does that mean? Three quick things that I wrote down that we confess our sinfulness. That we confess our sinfulness. That without Christ, payment for our sin, we're going to hell. It's just that simple. We're lost, the Bible says. And we trust in Jesus as two things, both our Lord and our Savior. It's critical that it's both things. 
So a lot of people want fire insurance. They, they, don't want to, they don't want to avoid the flame. But they don't want the Lord part. No, I make it a specific emphasis that the Lord part is critical. Because that's, that, that's part of that switch of DNA where it's like, all right, Lord, you're in control. You're in control. I'm relinquishing everything that I, all that I am, under your headship. I'm submitting myself. I'm trusting in your plan for my life. That's what I did when I was 19 years old. I don't regret a single minute of it. Not a single minute. Okay? So Lord and Savior, trust in Jesus, Lord and Savior. And receive His forgiveness. Receive His forgiveness for what you've done. Receive His forgiveness. There's a, uh, there's a term that's gone around that sounds really like, you know, super smart or whatever. People say, well, I can't forgive myself. I can accept God's forgiveness, but I can't forgive myself. That's idolatry. That's idolatry. That means that, that, means that you're elevating, or oh, if it's me doing it, that means I'm elevating myself above God. That I can't forgive myself. God will forgive me, the creator of the universe, the, the one who breathed everything that we see and know and, and can feel, the, the universe he breathed into existence, that God, and we're saying we're better than him because we're above and we just can't forgive? I don't think so. That's worldly thinking. That's a conforming to the pattern of this world, Romans 2 type of thinking. Let it go. Receive Christ's forgiveness. Receive His forgiveness. I'll end with this verse and we'll switch to communion. Romans 10, 9 and 10. This is a great uh, admonition. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. There it is. There's the gospel. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This was Jesus' message of being born again. The new spiritual DNA that he wants to impart. As he invited Nicodemus into that? As he invited the Apostle Paul into that? As he invited the, all of the apostles and the believers in that first century all the way up to right now? If that's you. That's his offer for us. Our, our response is simply to receive or unfortunately for some to reject. I'm imploring you to receive that. And then if you have, to, then to live it out. To embrace it. To get excited about it. To let this new DNA, this spiritual DNA, anchor you in life. Be transformed away from the old way of thinking into this new way of thinking. David, will you come on up and lead us in communion? Thank you, guys. We're we'll, uh, excited to uh, continue in this series. Uh, Blake and Sammy, of course, thank you guys again for, for coming and sharing. And uh, excited to see the things that God's going to do in your life. Uh, I'm excited to watch more than the trailer. Uh, and we're going to watch the whole thing. With, uh, free Burma Rangers. I'd encourage all of you to uh, touch base with, with Blake and Sammy. And, and I almost feel um, 
negligent in the fact that uh, uh, Blake's parents, Bill and Polly Donnelly, are in the back row, and of course, super friends of ours, and they've been super supportive to Tammy and I all these years, and uh, giving us great parenting advice, life advice. Oh, he's rolling his eyes like, what did I say? <laughs> I can't remember. But it was good. Whatever it was, it was good. And uh, But we're excited, and uh, um, I'll just turn it over to David to uh, do communion.